What's up, everybody? It's week one, and we've got a great deal for you. I know you guys are anxious to get your bets in for all the Sunday games week one, the Thursday night football game that's about to happen between the Buffalo Bills and the Super Bowl champion LA Rams and everything beyond that, and we've got a great deal for you. Use the coupon code Week one, anytime you buy a weekly subscription, that's W-E-E-K-O-N-E, and you will get 77% off your first week. Unbelievable deal. Get you on board. Get everything super discounted for the first week of the season. That's our gift to you. So jump on board right now. Go to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Any package, whether you're buying the NFL-only betting package, whether you're buying the combo package to get college football as well, or you're buying the all-access package to get everything that we do from a fantasy perspective, as well as props, in addition to all the betting action, which is what I highly recommend that you do, use coupon code WEEK1 and you will get 77% off. Truly unbelievable. Football is back. Get on board today. Welcome to the Sharp Waiver Wire and Injury Show. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and you can find me on Twitter at BestBallNFL. Joining me today, as they will all season, are Curtis Hirsch, who you can find on Twitter at Curtis Harsh, H-A-R-S-C-H. And he will be writing a weekly Waiver Wire article, and Tucker Bagley at T Bagley Sports, who handles injuries for Sharp Football Analysis. Gentlemen, welcome to the first show. Yeah, thanks. 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 Excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's nice to meet both of you guys. Why don't we just start real quickly and do like a little bio? Why don't we start with you, Curtis? Just tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, how long you've been in fantasy football? Uh, what what's your you know claim to fame so to speak and what you spend the most time on and then um, we'll, we'll send it over to Tucker yeah sure thanks Todd first I want to thank you for agreeing to come on every Tuesday with us and host this podcast and come up with some points as well to what we're saying so look forward to working this entire season with you and Tucker Bowl uh, absolutely about- thank you yeah, about myself, uh, I became an avid fantasy football player just shortly ago, uh, about 2019, when I was no longer in charge of operating my own business 365 days a year. And then I joined the Sharp Football team last September, wrote the waiver wire column last year, and wrote the betting advice for each team in the book this year. Outside of football, I'm just completing my last year of a graduate study in business. And well, let's go to Tucker. Yeah, my name's Tucker. I I live in Philadelphia. I I work in sports radio when I'm not writing about injuries uh, for the website. And that that tends to be my focus is writing about injuries, watching games, uh, trying to to forecast into the future for not just fantasy, but but betting purposes as well. Awesome. Um, My name's Todd uh, Burrows. I've been playing fantasy football since 1999. About six, seven years ago, I discovered best ball. I call it the one-night stand of fantasy football. You get all the joy of uh, all the joy without any of the commitment. Um, I'll probably, by the time it's all said and done at the end of this week, have almost 500 teams going. Uh, last year, I got to the final 12 of the FFPC best ball tournament with 100 grand up top. And came in 10th for $3,000. So um, I came back really motivated to try and improve even more. And I also play season long. So I'm really looking forward to bringing my experience um, and coming up with questions to put you guys in the best position each week. All right. So um, during the season, we'll start with a recap of the week before and any big takeaways Since this is the first show of the season, why don't you each, starting with Tucker, give us your biggest takeaway from the summer and any trends you took advantage of during draft season? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing I saw, especially during training camp, is we just have a lot of guys coming back from injury. I mean, the the list goes on and on right now. You look at the Ravens running backs of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, Chris Godwin coming back for Tampa Bay. Um, Drake London got hurt. 
a few weeks ago. It's interesting. I've never necessarily seen a year where we don't have a lot of guys who are already done. You usually see that where, you know, heading into training camp, you might have a wide receiver or top flight running back who doesn't necessarily have a shot at suiting up this year. Whereas on this side, there are a lot of guys who just haven't practiced in three weeks. And because of training camp and because of the obscurity of how teams are able to hide their, their injury situation, there are a ton of players right now with just big question marks hanging over their head, heading into draft or heading into week one. And that's been an issue because after you get through that, that first couple rounds of the draft, or when you get to three, four five, and you get to that, that second tier of player, there's a lot of players with question marks who they might suit up this week. They might wait till week three or four. It's, it's really hard to, to get a gauge on what's going on right now. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get into that a little more on an individual player basis. Curtis, your thoughts and takeaway from the summer? Yeah, just really looking forward to get to Thursday already. I think we've all done enough drafts, and we just want to see this play out already. But that's, a couple that's, of that's blasphemy, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 you know, if I had um, another couple um, weeks to draft more, um, I would, I would do it. But go ahead. Uh, yeah. Yours are also best ball. I'm not as good of a drafter in my advantage, I feel, as in the waivers in the season-long type. So I, every draft I'm in, it comes with the responsibility of waivers. So I, I need to keep my Wednesdays a little bit sane. So Absolutely. Let's get yep. started. But well, the one and, thing and, I'm and, looking forward and to... I, and, and I, I want to take advantage of what you know and become better at waivers myself because I think that's my weakness. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think we were kind of the opposite. I feel that even this year, I look back at some of my early drafts, and my draft strategy was terrible, and I definitely am going to need to grind those teams to some relevance. So that's going to be a very important this year. But this year, I think the thing I'm looking is not past trends, but what's going to happen with some of these new play callers. We've got not as many rookie quarterbacks, if any. I don't think we have any rookie quarterbacks, but we have a ton of new coaches and a ton of new play callers. So I'm looking forward to see how some of these teams change their philosophies a bit. Maybe even the second-year coaches. I know Art Smith was really brutal in Atlanta last year. Really looking forward to see how they change things. They've got some elite pass catchers. So just he uh, he needs FedEx to get his game plan a little bit better. And if you don't know, uh, his dad ran FedEx for many years. Uh, for me, the big thing was um, that there's still an edge out there, right? One of the big edges is other sites and how they teach drafting. So basically what ends up happening is they they tell people zero RB or robust running back or what uh, hero running back. But they really don't teach very well all the ins and outs, although they do write about it. And I think one of the edges for me in best ball is it's not as bad as last year when zero running back was much more popular. But I think going into every draft, there's three teams at least that are behind the eight ball just on basic roster construction. Forget the uh, issue of um, who you take. Um, learning how to draft, and it's the same thing for season long, right? Um, I have some, you know, philosophies that I've gotten uh, some help with from guys like Nelson Souza, uh, who's one of the best out there. And so I, I don't go into a draft saying I'm going to go zero running back, hero running back, um, or whatever. I'm going to play the draft board, but I also know how to complete each strategy the right way by having like in zero running back if it's amazing in 18 rounds you see people not take a running back to the 10 rounds and 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 stop at five right i mean that is taking fragility to a precarious level and i do think that there's still an edge out there um and i'm looking for uh forward to finding out more edges from you guys as we move forward all right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Curtis, the first week of waivers tends to be the most controversial. And what I mean by that is to spend or not to spend, that is the question. 
Um, you have some people who love to go all in early and you have other people who love to save their money. I'm a big believer in every year is different and our strategy needs to adapt to who's available. What's your overall strategy for week one or, or preseason waivers? And how has what's available this year changed what you would do normally? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Every year is so different in the context around what has happened in training camps and preseason should dictate how much we're willing to spend in preseason waivers. I know two years ago, there was no preseason and because of COVID. And we're, all we were getting was some training camp reports. And then out of the woodworks came uh, James Robinson. And that was a player that he was a league winner for most people. So two years ago, you had that player on the waiver wire that went for a ton and you won your leagues. Last year, I did put in the article the top 10 players that had the highest median bid on FPC. And here's a list of those players. Marquez Calloway, Sony Michelle, Jacoby Myers, Tyson Williams, Tony Jones, Ty Johnson, Juwan Johnson, Wayne Gallman, Tyrell Williams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You, you pick any of those guys up for the cost they were going for, you're already behind the eight ball. It, it was an absolute dud of a year for that. And I'm, I'm looking at the situation right now. This year, we didn't have a ton of depth chart movement in preseason, and there wasn't as many injuries. So uh, I'm probably going to be keeping my powder dry this week, but still targeting a few cheaper options, but not going to it's unlikely I'll be bidding high on any players. Tucker, how, how many leagues do you play in and do you have any thoughts on what Curtis just said? Yeah, I, I only play in two leagues right now, both through through work. We do one league with uh, my, my coworkers, and then we do another one with some of our listeners and, and callers, which is a lot of fun. But I, I agree with Curtis. I mean, he hit the nail on the head with that, that list of guys last year. And I, I think you play and we play and in every league you always have someone who rushes out week one and drops their third round pick for a guy who rushed for 150 yards week one. And then by week four, the guy he dropped is on pace to, to, you know, get a thousand yards and the guy he picked up is already on the street and, you know, looking for a new team. I think it's hard to kind of calculate how aggressive you want to be because you don't want to be behind the eight ball. You don't want to sit on your hands and end up with a dud of a team by week five or six, because you didn't make moves, but, at the same point, you don't want to really throw it out the window that early either, right? You have to trust your draft process. You have to trust some of the guys you have and not necessarily overreact one week. And I think in a year where there isn't a lot of question marks for a lot of teams and a lot of big players, there isn't a lot of early week buys and there haven't been a lot of injuries in training camp. I think this year kind of stands to just, I don't want to say stand pat, but if you're the most aggressive guy week one on the waiver wire and you're picking up two tight ends and three wide receivers and completely trashing the team you drafted 10 days earlier, I think that might be a difficult way to start the season. Yeah. And, and, and so for me, it comes down to the fact of who's out there and what does my team look like? Right. And I, I, I am a big believer in letting, you know, I like, I, my default is I would rather have money than not have money. Right. Um, that cost me with James Robinson two years ago. And I upped my bid some last year and it hurt me last year that I, I kind of overreacted. This is my third year kind of being in the high stakes season long world. Um, I really had never played any fantasy league for over th 350 or over. And I did 60 of them COVID year. And I, I, I you know, I probably did close to 15 last year and then a few more with partners um, where I didn't have to uh, do the waivers. I, I think a lot of it comes down to, for me, that there is an edge in the fact of what you said about people overreacting. I feel like people overreacting is always my edge, right? Um, and But figuring out w which is an overreaction and which isn't takes work and I'm looking forward to hearing what Curtis has to say as it relates to work. Um, Curtis, in your article this week, before we go into the, the players, 
you give some basic thoughts on things to do and not to do with waivers and a team's roster. Would you mind sharing with us uh, that that uh, insight and how it can change from casual leagues, which I'm sure we will get a few listeners to, to what we tend to focus most on, which is high league, high stakes leagues and national tournaments. Yeah, I mentioned a couple of points, especially regarding just roster construction and from the draft standpoint. And I wish I had followed all these points, but I didn't. But mainly that quarterbacks, Rich has done a ton of work on how accurate the ADP is, and it's becoming more predictable with quarterbacks. And that has reduced the ability to stream quarterbacks successfully. There's just not as not as much left out there and the ceiling is limited when you're streaming quarterbacks and obviously we can't help injuries but if you're streaming a quarterback in week one probably didn't draft too too well either and then i just mentioned the if you're looking at wide receivers for week one you also probably didn't draft enough wide receivers or drafted them too late and i know from my own teams that i'm just doing i've got a couple rosters with only a couple of wide receivers that I can start. So I also didn't take the advice there, but that, that was the main points is tying it back to the draft. It's harder to stream quarterbacks now and just ensuring you have enough wide receiver depth on your team as well. Yeah. So one of the key things is for me, and one of the biggest changes is that by weeks used to start week four. And so, you know, what's the biggest thing that opens up streaming it is bye weeks, right? People have to pick up, people have to drop. Um, now it's six, it's week six before we get buys. How does that change your philosophy? Um, and if so, how much in how you um, plan out your waivers? And do you think um, with week six, it's going to give you more opportunities. Um, right right now, I'm not really considering bye weeks. That's for sure. It's my job to get the best possible team I can with 20, 20 players that are relevant today. So I'm not really looking forward six weeks from now I'll, when that becomes a little closer. And I know I've got a quarterback going on by. Usually typically look at that one week in advance and see if I can sneak a cheap bid in on a flyer for the next week. But other than that, I'm not looking too far ahead, especially when it comes to buys. I'm just trying to fill my roster up with the best players I can. Yeah, I I think that's smart. For me, um, I feel like the key thing is that it allows you to hold your backups that you took longer, right? You know, everyone wants to take the, the, you know, other people's stud running backs back up, uh, hoping for injury. The sooner bye weeks happen, the quicker you need to cut bait on those players. Um, with week six, to me, being patient and not getting off of those guys who you knew you needed an injury for something to happen just to take someone who you may or may not start. A perfect example would be, let's say Alexander Madison doesn't barely plays. uh, Cook's uh, workload is just about the same as it was under the previous ownership. And Madison gets four carries for 15 yards on average the first four weeks. A lot of people are going to be tempted to drop him and maybe pick up some wide receiver who you could have had in the 20th round, who's a slot guy, and who catches 550. For me, I think one of the important things is to hold fast. Unless you really need to start that 550 guy, don't give up on your, um, your backup running backs and give time for that injury that you knew you needed to have to happen. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes back to having enough wide receiver depth so that you're not having to get rid of those guys because they are the lottery tickets. If Cook goes down, 
Alex Madison is a plug and play RB one. And I know as a guy that dropped Elijah Mitchell in the preseason waivers last year on multiple teams that it comes back to bite you at when you give up on those guys. So you're, you're hundred percent right with that. Yeah. All right. Let's switch over. Um, we don't want Tucker sitting here looking beautiful until uh, for too long. Let's get over to injuries and then we'll come back and we'll talk about, you know what, why don't we do it position by position? Let's start a quarterback and we'll ask Tucker about the injuries he's monitoring. And then we'll go to you, Kurt, Curtis, for the uh, quarterbacks you're looking to pick up and how much fab you'll send on them. Does that sound good, guys? Yeah, it works for me. Sounds great. All right. So uh, hit it, Tucker. Uh, quarterback injuries that you're monitoring, if any. Yeah, I mean, there aren't really any fantasy quarterbacks hurt right now. I know Zach Wilson, uh, Robert Sala mentioned today that, that he could be back week one, but I don't think he necessarily factors into anybody's fantasy plans, at least at this point in the season. The one injury that I, I keep going back to and I keep considering, and this is more of a long-term play, it won't affect week one because this is a guy who's back practicing fully, but I'm really weary about Matthew Stafford's elbow. I know he's telling us it, it's not an issue, but this is a guy who played the most football he ever has a year ago. He never went deep in the playoffs before with Detroit, threw the mo- most passes he's ever had a year ago, You know, taking uh, Los Angeles to the Super Bowl. And then he comes to training camp. He has an elbow issue that's viewed as abnormal, is considered weird. It was compared to pitchers' injuries that they tend to experience in their elbow. And he had the injection. He's feeling better now. But I wonder how much longer it takes until he starts to feel that soreness again, until that injury pops back up again. If it is a, a tendon issue in that elbow, if it is something like Tommy John surgery, which we tend to see a lot in pitchers, Matthew Stafford, someone who this could all be nothing and he could be fine and he could play 17 weeks and we will forget about this by mid-October. But in the back of my mind, I'm going to always have his elbow as a concern because I I just don't know if it's going to stand up because all the indications are there of this being a long-term chronic issue. That's an interesting thought. Um, I didn't notice a huge drop in his ADP. I did about a round or two for maybe while he was out. But once he came back and um, and it was normal, he he kind of reverted to his uh, normal draft spot. And again, I think it comes down to volume versus not volume. If I'm a casual player playing in a couple leagues, I might avoid Matthew Stafford because of that reason. If I'm um, like you know Curtis and myself drafting a lot of teams, I'm not going to avoid him because. My leverage on my 10% Matthew Stafford is the 90% of teams I don't have. And he's got Cooper Cup. He's added Allen Robinson, one of the best offenses in the league. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, that's my thoughts. Curtis, your thoughts on Matthew Stafford and go over with us who you're looking at, if anyone, to, to bid on week one uh, for teams. Yeah, um, yeah. just curious to see how that whole Matthew Stafford situation plays out. He's not a guy I target a ton just because he's not mobile, and I'm usually looking for more mobile quarterbacks. So not targeting him a ton, but really interested to see how that plays out because they do have some pretty good pass catchers, and if they're starting a different quarterback, they get downgraded massively without Stafford. Uh, I will give you a pass if you drafted Justin Fields and you do need a streamer for week one and two because he's got a pretty difficult opening schedule. So there's two guys that are kind of available and Matt Ryan's not available as much, but I prefer him as the option here because he does play the Texans and Jaguars in week one and two. So he's a streaming option. And then there's Jameis Winston as well, who's coming off a bit of an injury, but by all accounts, he looks fine. But the one part of the Atlanta Falcons that is somewhat NFL relevant is their cornerback room. So that's the one thing there that would make me lean Ryan over Winston this week. But other than that, if you're streaming quarterback, something went wrong. Yeah, I uh, in leagues where I'm in best ball where I always take at least two and occasionally three. Wow. Justin Fields was my most owned quarterback. I love his upside with the running floor. And if he can hit a ceiling, 
Um, you know, he can give you some nice spike wheeze. Uh, he's the cheapest of the Konami code uh, quarterbacks. Um, and Jameis, Jameis is my second highest owned quarterback. I think, you know, he's been a top five quarterback uh, a couple times in the past. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he, uh, you know, I thought his ADP was kind of egregious most of this offseason. Uh, Tucker, let's move over to the running back position. And what injuries are you monitoring? And what thoughts do you have towards those guys? So, so looking at, at running back, a guy that I'm really optimistic about is J.K. Dobbins, who missed all of last season uh, with an injury. He's back. He's healthy. He's been practicing. This is a guy that averaged six yards per carry as a rookie in Baltimore's run-heavy offense. You add in the fact that Gus Edwards, I don't think, is going to be ready for week one in this offense that, that's ranked top five in carries and rushing attempts under Lamar Jackson. He's someone that I'm really high on, especially now that he's back healthy, ready to go. And then you know, we talked about it a little earlier. The the other running backs, even if they've sat out training camp, there's a lot coming back. James Robinson is expected to come back from that Achilles injury. He's going to join Travis Etienne, who missed all of last year. They're both expected to be ready to go week one. Miles Sanders here in Philadelphia, he missed almost all of training camp with a hamstring injury. He's expected to be back. Eliza Mitchell over in San Francisco, he's been practicing all week. He's expected to be back, so... I would tread cautiously with some of those guys, but for the most part, it seems like heading into week one, every big name running back that, you know, we've been drafting top three, four or five rounds, they're going to be healthy week one and on the field. Yeah. I mean, I come from the world where you try and win the flex at wide receiver. Curtis, your thoughts on, you know, Elijah Mitchell as a third running back or, you know, a, a wide receiver week one coming off the injury. Um, yeah, I don't have any exposure to Elijah Mitchell, so I'm not really too keen to speak on that because I'm probably drafting wide receivers where he's going. And I, I think that answers the question. So let's uh, let's talk about the waiver guys that yeah. you're looking. I, I think the biggest one, um, if you had. Had this conversation a month ago, early training camp. I think people were talking about spending all thousand on Isaiah Pacheco. Um, the heat on him has cooled off considerably since then. Uh, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Pacheco and some of the other key running backs that are available right now? Yeah, things went pretty crazy there for a two-week stretch of drafting season where he was going as high as the fifth round. And yeah. They kept Ronald Jones, uh, CEH is clearly ahead of him, and McKinnon's definitely the third down back. So it's a, it's a full running back room, and he does have some upside, but it's going to take some time to get there. So he is available in a lot of leagues, but I'm not sure how much I'm willing to put into a player that I'm going to have to hold for five weeks. Let, let um, me put your feet to the fire. Yeah. You've got two teams. One team really doesn't need a, a running back, but you have an open um, spot for waivers. Someone you drafted in the 20th round went on injured reserve or is just the fourth stringer now. Um, how much would you spend on Pacheco on that team? And how much would you spend on a team where you legitimately need a running back right now? Yeah. Uh, both are probably going to be reasonably similar. I'm Like I said earlier, I'm not going too crazy. I think there's going to be better opportunities that have immediate impact coming up. So on the, where I can afford to hold them, I'm still probably not going over 10% or a hundred and of the thousand dollar fab budget. And I don't, I think that's a high estimate. I don't see myself going high, even to that extent. And then if, if it's a team where I need an impact running back, there's def definitely other options out there. So I'm min bidding and just, just putting some friendly bids in there of 25 to 50, I guess. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about some of those other running backs. Yourself. I, I am curious to see where you'd be at. With well, what you'd be I, I've got a lot of Pacheco. I got caught up in that period and I feel like the thing with Pacheco was the play with him was he was always a guy who gave them 
flexibility, right? So what is CEH? He is, you know, when you put CEH in there, you're showing run, right? Out of the running back for the most part. He never has really turned into a pass catching option other than a dink and a dunk here. Um, Ronald Jones, obviously not a pass catching back. Jarek McKinnon, you're really saying, hey, we're passing here, right? So I think Pacheco gives you that run pass option. I think they really do like him out of the backfield. I do think he's going to play right out of the gate. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get five to seven carries week one and two or three targets to see what he does with it. And he has plenty of opportunity to overtake what I, the guy I like to call M-E-H. <laughs> um, so I'm willing to go more in the hundreds, um, you know, 150, 180, um, where, I mean, where I don't need him that much, I'd probably keep it under 100, see if I could steal him with like a 77 or an 88 bid. Um, and on teams that I need him, I, I don't think I'd go above 300. I think that's where, you know, like, I need a running back desperately and I'm bidding 300 on a couple guys. I think he would be one of the guys I would consider. Um, and now the other running backs. Or, yeah. What, guy or more thoughts on Pacheco them. if you want. Just kind of speaking back to Tucker's point on JK Dobbins, he is running. He's coming off a pretty major injury and I don't think they want to get him too, too involved when they first bring him back. So I think Mike Davis is, likely the lead back there for early not, down work. Not Kenyon Drake. I I think that's that's the third down guy personally, but yet again, that, that's all speculation. But the Ravens do have a nice opening game against the Jets, so if you do toss him in there, he does have the chance to score a touchdown for you yet again. And Ravens he did play over. very well in, in Carolina just two years ago. So I was, you know, I was joking about Mike Davis. Uh, what are you willing to spend on them? Yeah, I, yet again, I'm not going bonkers, but if I do do need a start or an RB two this week, probably sixty to seventy five just to get get them in the lineup. But if I don't, probably maxing out at fifty. Yeah. Anyone else we should be looking at running back? And uh, again, again, how long do you typically want to give your? Um, your backup running backs to hit. I, I'm holding on to the backups as long as I can, just because of the injury factor. So I don't want to be cutting them. I, if I do cut them, I'm going with the lowest upside guys first. Like the Madison would be the last guy that I'm cutting. And a, a sneaky pickup this week is Kyron Williams, because you get two different looks at it. You get the Thursday night game. If he actually does play, and spikes a touchdown, you can put him in Sunday morning in some of these contests, which is an advantage. But you also get to see if Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers gets injured, and they basically get injured by showing up to the game. So he, you're going to get him a lot cheaper than you're going he would be next week. So he's the guy that I'm I'm sneaking not not a lot at, lot at, but just firing bids on just to have him there as a contingency plan. Yeah, he was a guy who was expected to go much higher. Um, you know, like in preseason best ball, he was 13th, 14th round. And then he tested very poorly at the combine and dropped considerably in everyone's eyes. I think that's an interesting call. Is there any other deep flyers that you would look at this week? Yeah, uh, Rex Burkhead, uh, Amir Abdullah, both pass catching backs on teams that are going to be trailing a little bit. I know the Raiders have a pretty difficult schedule and then the Texans are not favored in a single game. So keep an eye on those guys. They do have some value as well. He can be flexy Rexy for you. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to the wide receiver position and talk about injuries. Yeah. Wide receiver is definitely a little more interesting because there are just a, a lot of question marks coming in. Drake London, has missed a lot of time since suffering a knee injury uh, the the first first week of the preseason. Uh, someone like Michael Gallup, who's returning from an injury last year, he's already pretty much been ruled out for week one, but his return is expected soon, as soon as week two. But the guy that I, I keep thinking about and the guy whose status I, I find the most fascinating 
as we enter later in the week when teams are going to have to start actually putting out injury reports starting on Wednesday is Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard has missed practice the last week and a half due to an undisclosed injury, and teams are allowed to do that during preseason. You don't have to give a reason. He could just be at home hanging out with his family, a la Tom Brady, uh, a couple weeks ago, or this could be a legitimate thing. We we genuinely have no way of knowing until the first injury comes out Wednesday, but I think most of the offseason, Alan Lazard was considered the big winner in Green Bay with Devontae Adams leaving. Him and Aaron Rodgers have a history together. He was expected to, to kind of step in and, and get the lion's share of those targets that were leaving and going to Las Vegas. And right now, he hasn't been on the practice field in a week and a half. And I, I would be worried if I have Alan Lazard on my team. I'm not sure if he's suiting up week one right now. Yeah, I I felt that Lazard was the most egregiously what uh, mispriced player on the board. Um, just the way I play fantasy football is I want people who have upside. And I, you know, he's a guy, as Dwayne McFarland, uh, you know, showed, he just doesn't win anywhere on the field. He, you know, I want guys, I would much rather bet on talent. And one of my favorite players, and someone we need to talk about, Curtis, for waivers, is Romeo Dubs, who seems, every time I watch the clip, to be getting open. Now, he might struggle with drops as a rookie and get the ire of Aaron of Aaron Rodgers, but I'm willing to bet that the guy who goes seven rounds, eight rounds later, who actually gets open, has the real better chance of being a number one wide receiver. And the opportunity cost of Lazard where he was was just too high for me. Your thoughts on Alan Lazard, Romeo Dubs, and any other wide receivers we should be looking at this week? Now yeah, you touched on a great uh, – I, I don't know. Is Alan Lazard actually injured, or does he have a hamstring injury similar to Darren Waller's that will go away when, once he gets a new contract? So that's, that's one angle that might be occurring there that I really don't know about. But I'm a huge Cowboy fan, so my fantasy football philosophy is I don't really draft Green Bay Packers. And I think this is the year it might pay off because I think <laughs> – think that uh, offense is going to be a slow plugging offense that likes to run the ball and just rely on how good their defense is. I really think they're going to take a step up in defensive class. So they could be a top three or four defense by the end of the year. And that wouldn't surprise me, which may lead to the offense just playing slow, running up the clock and not providing a ton of fantasy value. But that being said, yeah, I, I was out on Lazard. It, I I was out on it for more than one reason, but it, it's hard to justify that pick even if I was a Packers fan. But, yeah, Dubs is the guy that has upside at least. He's going to take a bit of time, but he is available in some leagues, and I might take a shot on him in a few waiver wires because I know I lack that fourth and fifth receiver on teams. And that's, that's the kind of shots I'm going to take is guys that I can hold on my team for a little bit and just kind of wait for that explosion. And I, I don't see that upside with Lazard. I do see it with dubs. So if I'm taking a Packers receiver at equal cost, it's probably dubs over Lazard anyway. Yeah. Um, I would be willing to spend Somewhere again, around three three fifty for Dubs on a team where I really needed a wide receiver, and uh, even on teams where I don't, I I could see myself in the two hundred range, but I'm very high on the player. Um, what would you do, um, high and low based on need? Yeah, uh, probably very similar. I'm probably not going quite that aggressively yet with him, but. There's a wide receiver available in some of the earlier leagues that I might target a little bit more, and that's Isaiah McKenzie. A, he's attached to an offense that I think is going to provide more upside, and he's really dynamic, and he's already played in the league. So that that's the one guy that I'm probably going to list higher than him, so probably in that 250 to 300 range with dubs. Yeah, I could probably see myself getting up to 200 or so bidding on him. Yeah, I... I, you know, I don't kick myself that often, but, you know, when I do kick myself, 
it's when I really like a guy and then I stop because of what I'm hearing, right? Um, in early best ball, I had a very, very nice amount of McKenzie. And then I kind of got off him. And um, I, I think that is a, a very good call. I had 23% of him in early best ball um, because, I, you know, they had re-signed him and I really believed in him. Um, and then they signed Jamison Crowder and everyone was crowing about Jamison Crowder and how good he is. And, and I did. I let it get to me. I try not to, but it happened. It, this is a team that uh, put Emmanuel Sanders' skeleton on the field for the entire season over Gabe Davis. So it, it did have merit to backing off McKenzie. We, we've seen this in the past from them. So yeah. although it make, doesn't make a lot of sense, it happened. And you have to be kind of watching that too. That, that's very fair. Um, another team, um, and we're, we're starting to notice a trend here, another team that we are looking at that you um, have a couple names on is the Rams. Um, why don't you talk about the Rams guys? Yeah, just just dart throw players that if you have a open or a guy that you drafted that like Hassan Haskins, who I don't really even know if he's a handcuff to Derek Henry or he has any role and you just need to throw a guy on your bench. I'm, I'm throwing bids on Lance McCutcheon, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoranek. Doesn't I'm just throwing one or two on them. But you get a free look. They spike a touchdown. You keep them in your lineup. If not, you just recycle them on Sunday morning. So just knowing the rules of these national contests and going to take advantage of that, whether they get a touchdown or not, not really the end of the world if they don't. A guy that you also mentioned is Noah Brown. You say you're willing to put a fat bid of one to ten dollars on him. I, I like that call, um, but um, I liked it more when it looked like Gallup was going to miss four to six weeks. And Gallup has been real cheap um, lately. Uh, so, but I I do think Noah Brown. And then the other guy. What's that guy who returns for them? Uh, I've heard some people hyping him up, Turpin. Turpin, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that Turpin is possibly worth a dollar bid. Yeah, I think he might have been a better best ball bet and hoping he could magically get a couple catches and get a kick return touchdown in a same singular game. I don't know how many routes he'll run, but that's where I kind of like Noah Brown. He's kind of going under the radar as the Cowboys wide receiver too right now. Tolbert was... He was a rookie in training camp, and he looked the part. So I'm not as optimistic as listening to what Jerry says. So I am I think Gallup is a ways out, and if he does come back, there's still some questions to how well will he be when he comes back. So I think Noah Brown could be the number two guy for multiple weeks. So that's kind of where I'm going with him. Tucker? <clears throat> Let's talk tight end and injuries. Is there anything on your radar? And thank you for the insights that you gave us on some of the other situations. So far. Yeah, I mean, tight end seems to be pretty healthy. Curtis mentioned earlier Darren Waller's hamstring injury magically cleared up in the last 10 days or so. I'm not sure what's in the water down there in Vegas. But across the desert, Zach Ertz has missed almost all of training camp with the calf injury. Suffered it like first week of August, and it's still bothering him. They haven't committed to him playing week one yet. And this is a guy who pretty sure he led the Cardinals in targets after he arrived there midseason from Philadelphia could be a, a high volume target, um, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out early for the first half of the season in Arizona due to a suspension. But right now he's someone who I think he he's internally listed as questionable with the Cardinals. And He's a guy that you know normally would be listed as a, a top 10 tight end. I'm not sure if I can put him there right now because of the big question mark hanging over his head, not just for this week, but I have a feeling if this is something that's been going on a month, it's not going to clear up in, in the next five days or so, and he's going to be ready for week two. If he misses week one, this could be a long-term issue. All right. Um, Curtis. Yeah, uh, very, sorry. Very interesting on that Zach Ertz issue is they. The only weeks they really need him are one to six when 
uh, DeAndre Hopkins is suspended because they didn't use him a ton when he and Hopkins were in the lineup together. So it's pretty unfortunate that he's injured in the games where he was going to actually be utilized in the offense. I'm I'm known for my puns, and I apologize to you guys for all of them in advance. But uh, Curtis, are there any likely candidates at the tight end position? Ah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, this is the one of the situations that we're going to see a big divide in the gamers. Uh, there's the Isaiah Likely situation who caught a million balls in his preseason game, and he's rising up draft boards in FFPC leagues and I. I don't personally think it's warranted, but there. if Mark Andrews gets hurt or I, I just have a hard time seeing him run enough routes to pay off where he's being drafted or pay off how much people are going to spend on him in fab. Dynasty, totally different question. Kid's a baller, go get him. I just don't know how much work he's going to get this year. All right. Um I'm going to say that I like him a little bit more than you. Off-season, off we've been talking about who's the number two and number three wide receivers. I would say that, you know, going to tight end is something the Ravens have done a lot over the years. And it wouldn't shock me um, if the kid can block that he ends up playing a decent amount and he might be that, quote, third option in the offense, right, behind – uh, Bateman and Andrews. Um, he might not, though, and it is risky. I think you have fifty to hundred dollars. I can't argue that, right? I, 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 you know, I think that he's a guy that I'm willing to let someone else have, unless I really need help at tight end, right? We talked about when to spend your money, when not to spend your money. I mean, I try not to overspend on guys in waivers that I'm not sure about their role, right? You know, because somewhere along the line, there is going to be somebody who we do know that we want. And you're going to have to put seven, $800 bids on them. And so, you know, one of the things you really want to watch out for is bleeding your fab a little bit here, a little bit here, trying to, it's kind of like trying to catch an inside straight. For, for the betting people, right? You know, it's exciting when you get it and it gives you a huge advantage, but it's negative EV overall to if you're going to be chasing inside straights. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, totally perfect analogy there. I do believe that I'm, I'm interested to see if, if he runs 20 routes in week one, then he can pay off any sort of bid that you're putting on him. But I see him running around 10 to 12 routes and even at a 20 to 30% target share, which is going to be difficult for a rookie to earn. That's two to three targets a game. And you're just, like you said, bleeding fab out. If, if Andrews gets hurt, well, you hit your straight and you look pretty smart and collect your money at the end. But one of those guys, I'm probably going to let others take a chance on and wait on. Yeah. I think again, if you, Think of, uh, the question to ask yourself, the question that I ask myself is, <laughs> what is the likelihood that you're going to be dropping him in two or three weeks, right? And I would say with Isaiah Likely, there's a 15, you know, for week six. I think by week six, there's about a 25% chance you have to drop him to pick up someone else to cover other parts of your roster or, um, you know, to, to, for a buy. And those are guys I don't like getting into triple digits for on waiver pickups because it's just too easy for three or four of those guys and your money's gone. Now, another guy that you have, it does look like he has a full-time role. He's only 37% rostered on FFPC, and that's Daniel Bellinger. You have a fab bib of 5 to 20 um, I think that is um, makes a lot of sense. And you also mentioned Mo Ali Cox, who has shown talent, and they've had some injuries at tight end. Um, I think those guys are both good. Talk about those two. Yeah, both guys I'm willing to take a shot on. Uh, not really sure what the history of a tight end of Bellinger's 
status is hitting in year one, but looks like he's going to be on the field in a pass first offense that is going to give up a lot of points. So I think the, the giants are going to have to chuck it early and often because they might be chasing a lot of games. So just, just due to volume and being on the field, I don't hate him as a tight end two, tight end three, if you want to hold three. And then, yeah, Mo Ali Cox, he's going to get a quarterback upgrade, lost Jack Doyle, and he ran a route on, I can't remember what it was, 80% of Matt Ryan's dropbacks in preseason. Uh, after Pittman, he could like, he, there is a chance he's the number two target in that offense. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's in the range of outcomes. Even and, at number three, I mean, look what Matt Ryan did for um, Hooper. Yeah. Correct. Matt, Matt Ryan and his elevating tight ends has has happened in the past. So kind of looking that way. I, I wish I had drafted a little more Mo Ali Cox in best ball based on, um, you know, sometimes you really don't think of things until you're really in depth on them. Tucker, we're going to talk defense real quickly and then we're going to get out of here. I mean, we're not going to do too much with streaming defensive or kickers uh, week one. Uh, but are there any defensive injuries that have you off a team uh, going into the season? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest preseason injury that we've had probably this year was the injury to Harold Landry, the, the pass rusher in Tennessee, who's coming off a 12-sack season. He's a guy that you, you look at their team. He had 12 sacks. Daniki Autry had nine. Jeffrey Simmons had eight, and, and that was it. No one else had more than three. He's an edge rusher. He's a playmaker for that defense. Without him, I, I worry about their ability to pressure the quarterback, get sacks, make plays at the line of scrimmage, and, and force mistakes. I, I think the, the Harold Landry injury in Tennessee right now is the biggest one to be worried about when it comes to defense because the Tennessee defense is, is pretty pretty highly lauded. right? They're a defense that tends to go in, in the top half or – be considered to be a top 10 fantasy defense without Harold Landry. I don't know what their upside necessarily is. Okay. Um, last question, Curtis, you have the, the saints as a defense to consider on waivers. Uh, give me the 10 second version. Art Smith, Atlanta Falcons offensive line. Go. <laughs> I, I like it. And I think the saints are a defense that, should be in uh, rostered more than 48%. Yeah, can't the believe they weren't picked up in every single league. Yeah, I, I like that call a lot. That is going to do it for the week one waiver in a sharp waiver and in injury show. I am your host, Todd Burrows. And for Curtis and for Tucker, um, we thank you for joining and we will see you next week.